Electric vehicles could well be one of the more important developments we take to reduce the impact of pollution on our cities and on the planet. Overdrive has just been to the Hunter Valley Electric Vehicle Festival, EV Fest, which showcases recent developments and encourages innovative ways to support improvements in electric-powered vehicles. And it encourages the young and the old to have fun while doing it. The Electric Vehicle Festival is supported by a range of Hunter organisations and businesses and is led by the Tom Farrell Institute for the Environment at the University of Newcastle. Now, Gary Ellum is the Program Manager for Future Industries at the Tom Farrell Institute and founder of Social Business, Proprietary Limited, and who, among other things, was the commentator on the two-day festival. He joins us on the line. Gary, uh, thanks very much for your time. Uh, thank you, David. Now, you had a lot of support from car companies, for example, I believe. Some of the vehicles that people actually got to saw and some even rode in that uh, represent the new sort of technology? Yeah, so we, we sort of pride ourselves as being one of the most comprehensive uh, electric vehicle festivals in Australia, which means technically we sort of support anything from really a, a skateboard all the way up until in, in previous um, ones we've even had trains and, and boats. But uh, but the cars are always a bit of a mainstay, and that's what the um, what the most punters are actually looking at. When they think of electric vehicles, they think of cars. They don't necessarily think of bicycles and skateboards. Uh, so it's always important to have a range of cars available. And we had a really good range of um, sort of also showing the different types of electric vehicle drivetrains. So any, anywhere from uh, battery electric cars to uh, hybrid cars to plug-in hybrid cars and even uh, fuel cell electric vehicles. So we had the full range of electric vehicles there. Hyundai had their hydrogen vehicle, which of course then powers an electric motor. Hybrids from Toyota and Infiniti, and uh, I think uh, Peugeot even had a little bike there as well. And and some other people brought along, some private people brought along things like the Tesla, which I think is great, and things like the Mitsubishi Miev and the Nissan Leaf, which I think is rather good. You did have uh, quite a number of bikes there, bike shops were well represented. I spoke to a few. They're very, very good. I thought some balanced views. Bikes are a very strong part of the electric-driven vehicle of the future. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I was, when, when people actually ask me, uh, you know, what's the electric vehicle I should buy at the moment, I should tell them an electric bicycle because I think it, uh, it ticks a lot of boxes. Um, the bikes are great. So an electric bike is really an electric assist bicycle. So there are limits on the size and power of the, uh, the electric drivetrain. And if it's small enough, people think of it as a bicycle, and by law, it's considered a bicycle. So you don't need a, a license to ride it. Um, you don't need to register it to go on the road. And so that means that, you know, just for normal people who want to ride their bicycle around more for sort of transport rather than necessarily for exercise, then uh, electric bikes are, are a great way of being able to get down the shops and back or, or down a local playing field without actually having to necessarily break a sweat. Now, some of the things you did there were some rather interesting competitions it wasn't just static displays. You were at a go-kart track. What sort of things did you hold to actually test these type of vehicles? Yeah, so the festival always has three components every year. So there's an EV show where we have uh, vehicles on show to the public where people can come and try things and experience electric vehicles. Uh, and then we have an EV prize competition. That's really around uh, skills development, getting, um, getting kids involved in thinking about electric vehicle futures, thinking about the skills they need to move into sort of like a design or manufacturing or sales sort of industry around electric vehicles. And so we have a competition for schools, which is actually based on building what's really a small electric motorcycle. And then they come and race. And that's why we have it out of the, the kart racing circuit is so they can actually do an endurance race and a, and a faster flat prize. 
And then this year for the first time, we also had um, a solar cup. So that was uh, for primary school students, it's called Mini EV Prize. And so they had to build a very small scale solar powered vehicle, which uh, ran around a track. Uh, so it's a way of, of making sure that we get, get science, engineering, technology, maths, and sort of some business acumen into uh, into the curriculum from all the way from primary school through to high school. Yeah, it's lovely. I think uh, there were a, a wonderful array of fresh-faced, enthusiastic kids there. It's one of the bike things. I think you went for an hour and it did 30 kilometres. So obviously averaging, was it about 30 kilometres an hour? That's a pretty credible thing on what is a very tight circuit. Yeah, so uh, the the high school EV prize competition, we... Um, we challenge them for a one-hour endurance race, and they they're allowed to use a battery which has 384 watt hours of energy. Now that, that um, basically says um, it's around the size of a standard e-bike battery. So if you were to buy an e-bike um, somewhere, uh, then it would have an e-bike battery, and that's around about yeah, you know, that's a, around about the normal sort of size of one of those batteries. There's some bigger and some smaller, but that's about it. So. But of course, in the race, they're not allowed to pedal. They're actually, it's actually set up as a motorcycle, and they generally use a, a larger motor. Um, so they custom make their drivetrains. They can have the standard e bike battery, but they have a, usually a larger motor and go a little bit faster. And it's got some quite steep hills on the circuit because you're not allowed to pedal. Um, then they tend to want to go up there a little bit faster. So they tend to have a, a, a motor that's about twice to three times as powerful as the standard e bike is allowed to have. They must have done you know, a considerable project just to get that together. As you say, it's not just a normal bike with an electric motor whacked on it, no pedals, and uh, some of them did some interesting stuff. One of them, which I, I find fascinating in terms of developing, was some put some fairings, some uh, aerodynamic things on the front of the bike. Now, it, that development, it's not that simple, is it? Is there value in trying to look at putting fairing on bike? Yes, yeah, so as, a, as a sort of someone who sets the race rules, uh, what we're trying to do is to really get them to think about a lot of different principles involved. So we give them a standard battery, but we actually leave the motor size open. And then we sort of, we do some sums in the back to work out, you know, with that, with that amount of energy in this sort of track, what as our average speed we think we'll, they'll have. And by setting it with that battery and being an hour long race, the speed of the race ends up being about 30 kilometres an hour. Now, 30 kilometres an hour, you're sort of on the threshold really where aerodynamics come solidly into play. If you're sort of less than 20 kilometres an hour, it's really weight that matters in the bike. Um, over about 35 kilometres an hour, it's really aerodynamics that dominate. And in the middle, you have to make some really hard choices as to whether you, uh, you you put some aerodynamics on and suffer the weight penalty or whether you leave the aerodynamics off and then just try and rearrange the rider position. So it sort of it, it encourages the students to engage in lots of different uh, sort of aspects of the physics and that then uh, plays over into the design of their bike and then maybe into the materials they use and how they actually, and their construction techniques that they use. So um, the rules are, are very, very tightly set to try to make sure they have to grapple with all of those problems in building the bike. And each team has a different approach and each of the different approaches has its own validity because they're sort of taking, you know, some will go for lightweight, some will go for aerodynamics, some will, um, you know, some just go for minimum um, sort of modifications, you know, so, so they all have their own sort of approach of how to put their bike together. It's interesting, of course, uh, things like the Tour de France and that would benefit potentially in some areas by having that, but of course the rules are against that, aren't they? It's, it's almost as though the sporting associations are really almost discouraging that. In fact, they don't allow fair, fairings as part of the, the bike, do they? 
Yeah, so certainly the UCI, which is the federation which um, governs cycling, have a set of very strict rules on, on what you can do in terms of both uh, putting things on the right and putting things on the bike uh, and, and even the rider position on the bike. There's all of these things are set, you know, like so you can't actually have a recumbent bike, for example, which are, which are quite good in terms of basic aerodynamics. And you can't have a recumbent bike in a UCI competition. You're not allowed to have fairings that cover the front wheel. You're not allowed to have a whole a whole heap of things, which actually would go to designing perhaps a a more streamlined, you know, faster bike. But they're not allowed under the UCI rules, you know, for a whole bunch of reasons. Some of those are associated with safety. Some of those are associated with trying to make the competition more exciting. Um, some of those are, you know, just to support existing bicycle manufacturers. There's a whole series of rules, uh, which is really sort of underpins racing, which uh, which actually restricts the design of the bike, certainly, in, um, in how they're put together. So which school won the big event? So there's sort of uh, two sort of prizes in the racing. So um, one was the Endurance Cup and the other one was the fastest lap. And at one stage, uh, Maitland Grosman, I think, was actually leading both um, events. They had the fastest lap in the race and they were also uh, leading the Endurance Cup and they were actually overtaken uh, in about the last 100 metres of the Endurance Cup by the team that ended up winning that, which was Belmont Christian College. It was a, quite a quite an exciting ending, really. You could see um, Maitland Grosman guys went out fast. Their battery was dying and Belmont Christian was coming, coming back at them very strongly at the end. So it was a nail-biter of a finish. It was quite exciting. That <laughs> sounds like the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> Literally, in sort of view of the finish line after an hour of racing, then um, then the the second bike sort of caught up about half a lap within um, within the last three laps and ended up overtaking right before the line. It was uh, quite a male biter. You had a two day festival, but you also had a symposium dinner. There were some interesting presentations there. What was the sort of nature of of some of the thoughts coming from that particular event? So that was um, an, an event put on in association with the festival by Beyond Zero Emissions, or BZD, uh, and they were launching their electric vehicles plan for Australia. So they've gone through and launched a number of plans all associated with trying to make it Australia carbon neutral. And they sort of they bring out components of their transport plan. So they've, they've had a high-speed rail plan already released, and this was the releasing of their electric vehicles plan. Uh, and associated with that, they had some, they had some talks, and they had a panel. Uh, I did a little bit of a talk. Um, and so some of the, the things that came up with there are not just electric vehicles, but also the way that we use electric vehicles um, and the important role that that can play. So, so electric vehicles in themselves are, are good at jumping out of the, the liquid fuel sort of pipeline. It's, it's really quite hard to make liquid fuels uh, from sustainable sources. Yes, there's biofuels, but they're, they're relatively hard to make. It's much easier to make renewable electricity. So by flipping over onto electric vehicles, it makes it much easier to supply them with renewable energy. So that's one of the reasons why BZD is quite keen about electric vehicles and why a lot of people are keen to electric vehicles. The other thing that was raised there is really um, the rise of autonomous vehicles and vehicle sharing um, as a way of reducing both the number of vehicles but also the, um, the number of vehicles you need in circulation uh, to do the same transport task. And that has an important role in actually reducing congestion, reducing parking issues, freeing up a lot of infrastructure, um, impacting on balance of trade issues for Australia, which imports all of its cars and all of its oil, and that actually adds up to about 20% of goods imports to the nation. It's one of the biggest impact on our balance of trade. So all of these things are sort of stepping stones to try and work out how you make um, it more efficient, better for the environment, better for the economy, 
um, and give you a good solid pathway forward for transport in terms of transport innovation. That's a wonderful practical approach, isn't it? Because we can often get caught up with technology, autonomous vehicles and so on. What does it really mean and how can we effectively bring it about and what are the broader values of it are all part of it. I quite enjoyed having a chat as I said to some of the bike shop owners, one in particular, who had a wonderfully balanced view on that. He wasn't a a fundamentalist in a way but he was one who recognised where people were at and was trying to help people and a wide range of people from enthusiasts just down to those that want to get around without having to sweat. It's a balanced approach that's very important, isn't it? So, so certainly, I mean, in the in the bicycle sphere, um, you know, Australia has about the same proportion as most other countries of people who use bicycles for recreation. So we're strong recreational users, but it, it ends up being about you know two percent of the population or so uses a bike for recreational purposes. What we often don't have in Australia, and it's more prevalent in countries like Europe, is the use of the bicycle for transport. Um, mm. And so. And the the electric stuff has a role to play in each, but it, it's not necessarily absolutely necessary for each. So it, it makes the use of the bike for transport slightly easier. But also there's a, there's a number of people who are putting you know, electric drivetrains in a quite high-performance race bikes. And that's really so as they get older, they can keep up with their friends and they get dropped out of the back of the group. And so they can still, they, they still end up riding as hard. There's just the, a little bit of electric assistance lets them keep up with the group so they keep the social um, aspects involved as well as as well as actually the exercise step. So, so thinking you put an electric motor into an exercise bike, you know, into a sports-rated bike, doesn't necessarily mean that you actually exercise less. In fact, it means that often people get out more and in, in general they actually have a, a total large amount of exercise effort. So, um, so electrics can help in a lot of different places. Um, you know, obviously we're not using them in high-end racing um, in terms of, of push bikes, but in the rest of the push bike fleet, um, you know, they can they can play a valuable role for people who need them and who are interested. I think that's wonderful. It, it reflects how it can be used in a different range of situations, and I think that's important that we don't just uh, have a one-dimensional view about what electric bikes or even electric cars might mean. Gary, it's been lovely to talk to you. I, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you, David. And that's Gary Ellum, who is the Program Manager for Future Industries at the Tom Farrell Institute. And he's also founder of Social Business Proprietary Limited. And he was, of course, the commentator at the two-day electric vehicle festival in the Hunter Valley at uh, Newcastle. And uh, part and parcel of encouraging everyone to have fun and to learn a lot about how electric vehicles may help in every part of our lives.